Welcome to episode 153 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How's it going, man? JP's good. We just celebrated Pippa's first birthday this week. Uh, darling little girl is, uh, is, uh, is one years old. And um, I've cried more this week about hashtag girl dad than I ever thought that I would. And I don't feel bad about it. And if you don't know what hashtag girl dad is, you should go find out on social media. And, and if you're a grown man, you will also so want to know who is cutting onions around you as well. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the girl dad uh, tweets all over social media and stuff, and yeah, even for me that doesn't have any have any kids, it's very uh, very emotional. And happy birthday to Pippa! Uh, I know that's very exciting for you and uh, and your wife. So that's that's so cool to see. It's been kind of cool to see, even though I've obviously we have never met in person, I've never met your daughter. It's kind of cool to see all the pictures and see her kind of grow up over this past year on social media. It's been kind of cool. Uh, yeah, and she's a gem. Like I'm just, I know I'm a dad, so I'm supposed to be the way. Like my daughter is adorable, and I yeah, have no qualms. When when strangers stop you on a regular basis, be like, oh my god, that baby is so cute. She has the most beautiful eyes. Oh my gosh, look at her eyelash, eyelashes that make like attracted women jealous. But that's just it's, which is a weird thing to say. Yeah, but that's that's gotta that's gotta help the ego a little bit, I imagine. I just, can I just say that it's and this is gonna sound horrible. It's really funny. Like, oh, my wife and I aren't ugly. We're also not going to win a modeling competition at any time soon. Um, but when you see, you see like pretty people who have babies, and then ours is just like she should be modeling clothes for to get us stuff for free. Uh, it's it's weirdly like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man! All right, from one extreme to the other, we have to talk Oklahoma State basketball. Um, I don't want to, but we have to for the sake of. Uh, content i guess so they won a game over the weekend that was great basketball season yeah beat texas a&m uh that that was a win that they sorely needed uh to go on the road in college station uh to get that win was huge and then they come back and play on monday and it's an absolute dud once again it's pretty much what we've seen the last few weeks where the defense will play good enough to win a game and then the ball just doesn't go in i I really didn't watch the game on monday admittedly i I worked that night i get home and saw by the under 12 timeout oklahoma state was shooting 15 percent and i really just didn't have any interest in putting myself through that like i'm a sports fan i endure a lot of pain watching oklahoma state sports and some of my other teams and uh, i just i couldn't bring myself to do it man it's it is mind-boggling how this team is somehow playing worse than the team that really only had seven players last season. When I think the and not even I think I know the expectations and what and the results of what we should have seen this season are much higher, and it's it's just confusing. Like I I don't really know where else to go with it other than that. Like I just I don't understand it. It's not just that you have a team who brought in. A talented recruiting class. It's a team that started seven and zero, and and looks pretty good in a couple of of good games, and they have just fallen apart. And I and I go back to at a certain point, we can't, we have to stop blaming the likely illness. Like oh, for sure, that made sense for a while. I don't know what's going on now. Like and and I, and and from from watching Mike Boynton talk and hearing the quotes that he's saying and basically owning up to this is unacceptable, I think he's kind of in the same spot of uh, he's he's running out of ideas of how to fix this. And if you think Boynton's a bad, I don't want to talk about it. 
the guy knows how to do it. He's proven. He knows how to coach. But this is on him to a large extent. He realizes that. But I, I, something's got to change. And and let's just be blunt. Um, this is the this is like the worst start in conference play since the 1970s. This team's not going to the NCAA tournament. The the best they could ask for is the NIT, and you have to finish with a winning record to do that. Um, at this point, all I am asking for is to see enough progress and growth from some of the key freshmen, the Boone twins, Chris Harris and Avery Anderson specifically, that I can feel some hope about them heading into next uh, because that's that's where we're at, right? Like if you're, I will. I'll, I'll be blunt. I I will turn the games on if they're going well. Um, uh, but as soon as they get down twenty, I'm, I'm not gonna do that myself. I have I have other things to do than watch a terrible horrible game that's just gonna make me angry. Like I that's I you can call me a bad fan or a bandwagon fan or not being supportive. I'm very supportive of this team. I I watch them. I follow them write about them like i i love oklahoma state but i'm also don't have to sit and watch something terrible just because i i like the people involved in it i can love the cast of a movie if the movie sucks i'm not gonna watch it okay i'm a huge movie fan if the cast is awesome and the movie sucks i'm gonna stop watching the movie because why 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 would i waste my time with that when i have so many other important things in life and god this sucks this sucks so much this is this Last year was supposed to be the bottom. How how did we find another level but lower than it? Yeah, it it's one of those things where you know for you know the casual fans, people to listen to this that you know just follow the team when it's on TV, and for them to to be upset and you know get frustrated watching that's one thing. For us that we have to come on here and I know our podcast is very you know we have tens of listeners and we appreciate all of them to need to watch the game <laughs> because we have to talk about it is the most masochistic thing I can possibly think of. Like when I have to force myself to sit down on the couch and watch the game so that I can be on here and logically talk about it. I did that last season. Um, and last season was bad, really, really bad in spots. But this season I've told myself that I just, I can't do that anymore. Um, my wife will ask me like, Oh, is an Oklahoma state playing right now? And I'll go, yeah, I'm not going to watch. Because I just I can't do that to myself anymore because it's just so infuriating and just not fun. Like it's and when it's just not fun, I'm reaching the point of just burned out coming on this podcast to try and find any way to be positive and find any way to talk about this team. I just don't want to do it. Um and I, I'm reaching that point with this team and it's nothing against these guys because I know they're working their ass off and I know that Coach Boyton is doing everything he can to get everything right, but at a certain point, I just had to—I had to look at in the mirror and go, "Is it really worth turning on a game where I know they're going to lose by 20?" I, I want things to get better, and obviously, there is a ton now riding on next season, even more so than even anything that we thought this team could be. Um, I just, like I said, I'm with you. I just want to see growth from the freshmen. Uh, I think Avery Anderson has come on and done a much better job than what we saw earlier in the year. It seems like he's starting to kind of get into the swing of things. I think I like the move of starting Avery Anderson and Caleb Boone. I, you know, I think Chris Harris has shown some flashes. I think Keelan has as well. I think there's enough here that if we can just see something that tells us, okay, these guys are going to be good when they go move into starting roles next season without the seniors there, and it's going to be a young team outside of Isaac Likely and Yorin A. If I can see something with that, 
with Cade Cunningham, Rondell Walker coming in, I, I feel good about where this team is at, even if they, you know, they're they're gonna probably gonna finish last in the Big Twelve, but it at least tells me there's something there. And then you plop in a four star and the number one player in the country into a roster, you at least feel good about where this team could be. Like I think we were so used to talking about Cade Cunningham, we're still not really appreciating the fact that the the potential number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft is going to play for Oklahoma State next year. Yeah. Okay. So they should be better next year between him and likely and Yorane and and if Chris Harris and 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 really if this team continues to develop. It's just this season. Season. This season just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Confusing to everyone because you can't it, we can't understand why players that have been far better than this are are all seemingly having their worst seasons and their worst flaw all rising to the top. Like Dizzy can't shoot. Um I'm sorry, I'm sorry, let me refer to that. Waters can't shoot. Um Dizzy when he defense has gotten I mean it's okay, it's it's back to being Dizzy's defense. Cam McGriff has regressed. I, I just I don't I don't I don't understand. I just don't understand it. Like, like I, uh, this the senior specifically McGriff, Waters, and Dizzy did so much last year to make that team competitive in games that it had no business being competitive in. And then you get to this season. And look, Kansas, Virginia, Baylor, Texas Tech, that's probably the best top four teams in the conference we've seen in a while. The top of the conference is really, really, really good. But Texas, Texas is mediocre over at best. TCU, I, you know, goodness gracious, I, I hope that – can they can they play a competitive game against a mediocre or bad team in the conference? Because they haven't – outside of that Baylor, it's just been – Bad on bad on bad on bad on bad, and it's and it doesn't make any sense because like one night the offense works and the defense doesn't, and then the next night the defense works and the offense doesn't. It's just this team is broken in, in a way I don't think I've ever seen a team break that shouldn't be, and I and I I care out why. Yeah, I I think my main reason why I just I've grown to just as bad as it sounds, just a point of apathy watching Oklahoma State basketball is. I know how good this team should be. We've seen what it is at its best. That Sarah, the Syracuse, what they, what we saw in Brooklyn is the best that we've seen this team be. And we know that that is a level that they can play in night in, night out. Since then, I mean, it's been terrible because, and I think a lot of my frustration and yours as well, I'm sure, is we know how good they are and they just, they haven't found it since. And I don't, I just really do not understand it. And I, that's why I have such a hard time watching this team play is, because they're not playing to what we know they can be. And I, I don't know what it is. I can't I, I I'm at a loss. And I think that's what's also frustrating is we we don't know where the issue is. We don't know what the problems are. And a lot of that is, you know, we're not in the locker room after before or after game. We're not in the gym every day seeing what this team is and how they're practicing. So we're having to just look from an outside perspective, try and see what's going on, and I, I have no idea. Yeah. So let's wrap this up because I don't like talking about basketball right now. Same. Um, they're in Norman on Saturday. Um, 
oh you just oh she just doesn't play well in norman period it's the rivalry it's it it's a saturday i don't expect much out of them uh then they get to wait till wednesday and they get tcu coming to stillwater then they have to go to baylor and go to kansas state can they can can we can we win can we win next wednesday like you look at that game and go that they have to get that one I mean, they go. And, they they, um, they went to Fort Worth and played a great defensive game, and nothing would fall offensively. So if even it swings a little bit the other way, and the offense goes, I, I think they have a good chance to win. I'm not. I'm obviously I'm at a point yeah. now where I'm not going to expect any wins, but I think if their defense can play the way that it did that Saturday, a couple Saturdays ago, I, I don't think it's that far to the wrong possibility to think they can pull out a win. And I think this team just needs one man. <laughs> it, it takes one to get the ball rolling. I that's what well, I we thought. That, the, we thought that we thought that with AM. That's what I exactly what I was about and, to say. And but then they they played Kansas and it was awful. Yeah, uh, Kansas is really good, but it was awful. Yeah, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Do you want to move on to some basketball or some football recruiting? <laughs> I want to talk. I can't. I'm so unhappy with basketball. I want to talk football recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we are at, folks. And I'm sure that you're thinking the same. Just going for the love of God, please get to the ad break so we can do something else. And that's what we're going to do right now. We'll be right back after a word from a sponsor. All right, Philip. So the second signing period is coming up here next week uh, for uh, football recruiting. There are, you know, Oklahoma State still has a few more spots to fill on their uh, recruiting class. It looks like they're going to sign a full 25-man class. So where are we at right now with commitments, and who do we think is going to come in next? So officially at this point, there are 20 signed, um, and two committed. Jabbar Muhammad, cornerback out of DeSoto. Um, he's been committed to Oklahoma State since April of 2018. Um, there's no reason to be concerned. We've talked about this before. Uh, and they just got a commitment. Um, we're, we're recording this Wednesday. Wednesday from inside Iowa Central Community College. I wish, I wish we recorded, recorded this before he committed because I, 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 you got the feeling they offered two JUCO linebackers. It kind of felt like that's something that they wanted to use one of their last scholarships for. And I want to start there. Um, um, they've made, they now have three scholarships left. Let's left. Let's start with let's start with Bishop. I haven't watched much of game tape, and so I, I can't tell you from a perspective of how good is he as a player. But I, I he he missed a lot of uh, this past season with an injury. But I, I do want to point out this was a really smart move by Oklahoma State. And the coaching staff. If you look at the current buildup of the roster, linebacker in 2020 is the strength of the defense. Okay. You get Calvin Bundage, Amon Ogbongbamiga, Malcolm Rodriguez, and Devin Harper. Ogbongbamiga, Harper, and Rodriguez are are your two best tacklers, your two leading tacklers, and three of your top eight from last season. And you get the beast and Calvin Bundage back. But behind them, You've got your next season. You're, you're going to have a red shirt freshman, uh, two red shirt freshmen, and three true freshmen. It's been, it was in dire need of help. So bringing in a a JUCO guy who's got three years to play two. That means he has a red shirt year available to him still. Meaning he could be here for 2020, 
play four games or play none, none, and still have two years left to play, which and something they need to do for this for this roster moving forward. Um, I, I think it was a smart move. Now it's left. Uh, they're going to use them all. Um, the question is where. Um, and I have I have some thoughts on that. Uh, and, on, and we'll start with one I think everybody's concerned with, and it's wide receiver. Yeah, the four guys in the portal now, so they're they're gonna. I think they're gonna need to get somebody. It's not. I think there's enough there that um, it's not dire, but I do think they need to bring somebody, if nothing else, just for depth. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, of the guys transferring out, CJ Moore hurts. Um, you get a one of the what one of the highest rated in the era, I think, and he leaves. He showed promise on the field. Let's put it this way: he's not leaving because of on the field issues. Yeah. Okay. I, I I don't know everything, but I can tell you he's not leaving because of his on the field play. Um, this is a guy who caught a touchdown in the state, and and now he's gone. And that stinks because he was a talented kid. And this just kind of seems to be something that happens with with the more talented guys at Oklahoma State signs is a lot of them don't seem to pan out at OSU. And I don't want to get into why that might be or any of that nonsense, but I, it, it his loss hurts. Um, I think you're fine for 2020. You've got Tylen Wallace. You've got Landon Wolf. You've got Dylan Stoner. You've got Braden Johnson. And if Langston Anderson, who I really like, can play, if he's ready to go, um, you feel really good about that that five deep there at wide receiver. And then you add in that Brent, said, I think they will bring in. Then you add in Brendan right. Presley and Rashad Owens as well as kind of like gadget guys, but I think they're going to play right away, and then Matt Polk as well. So you feel good that at least even the the freshmen that are coming in, you're probably going to see time at least four games or less. And you have Jonathan Shepard, um, right? He yeah. was a, he was a nice piece. He'll be a sophomore. I don't know if he'll play, but I do think. I do think that that they will look at this spot, and it may not be until after they go through spring practice and kind of look at the position group and decide if this is something they need. I do get the feeling they might add a, add a grad transfer a la Jordan McCray just to bring in some, some more experience. And if you can find a guy who's got a couple of years of eligibility left, that's great. Um, if you bring a guy for one year, some guaranteed depth and, and who's played before, I think that's a smart, smart move. Uh, um, 2020 is a big year. Let's just be honest. Let's just be blunt. I'm keeping my expectations low for the season because I don't want to get. But 2020 is a put all all go all in, all your chips in, leave nothing nothing to chance, go all out kind of with what you have on this roster. Like Oklahoma State has one of the five most experienced rosters in college football. They have I, I it's like number one in offense, number three in defense. Of everyone in college football, this is a year to go all in. So, using one of your scholarships this year on a grad transfer wide receiver just as a safety is not a bad thing. I posted an article on Wednesday. It's got five guys that that, that I I would look at and seriously consider that are available on the market for for one year. Um, if you guys haven't read it? Go ahead. Um, I, there's some in that list that I like more than others. I let's just say uh, let's just say I them in the order i would most like to have them if you go and read that and understand but i I think that is an area that with three scholarships and and a a roster that doesn't have a lot of holes for 2020 sometimes it's nice to take something you don't need you're set 
anybody in mind, uh, if you can kind of give people a little taste of your post, that realistically you think could come in as that grad transfer option? Um, I, look, I don't – I always say this uh, uh, as often as I can. I don't have inside information on a lot of stuff. So these are just guys that I looked at and thought – I, I would feel good if they could land. The number one on the list was Jordan Jones uh, out of Arkansas. He was a three-star prospect who missed 2019 because of an ankle surgery. Uh, he, he, he'd had nice numbers. He, was, he had a nice uh, 2017 season to 2018. Um, I, I kind of feels like the kind of guy that you bring in that just you're probably not, really not going to have to use him but it's nice just in case. Um, I really like Aaron Cephas from Rice. Rice. Um, he's a two-star guy, but he was freshman season. He was one of their he was one of their top two guys. As a sophomore, he missed his entire junior season for a violation violation of team policies. I don't know what, what that means. I don't know what that was. And yeah, I would find out and then gauge whether or not that something concerns me. If it's not, I I really like what he was able to do and it fits that OSU kind of like no star. Where does this guy uh, immediate contributor as someone who could play D Anderson out of LSU would be my third option. Um, he, he was suspended last season for a condi- what hell a conditioning issue is. I guess he's just fat or smokes weed. I have no idea. I don't know what's conditioning issue is supposed to be. Um, former four star, he didn't do that. But he also, if he came in, would have two years of eligibility left. So I like D. Anderson because he's got two years. So in theory, he could play some this year and then much needed depth in 2021. Okay. I think, yeah, of all those guys, kind of that the Cephas really probably intrigues me the most just because it could be that under the radar guy that you need and that ends up kind of just being a dude that you know, can be a contributor right away. I think that, I think that's going to be huge. I would be curious, whatever that violation of team rules was or, you know, team policy, whatever, because that, you know, that doesn't seem like the type of person that a guy like Gundy would go for. But if it's a non-issue and was just something kind of random and out of the blue, then maybe that's what you go for. But I, I'm, I'm curious who they go after or if they get anybody at all. Uh, I think it's, it's not necessarily a, you know, dire need, but I think it's important just so that there is pressure off of the guys that are coming back, those main five receivers that we talked about earlier, uh, or four, I guess, including Langston Anderson. Uh, just having depth at that position is going to be important just because I'm I'm curious how much Oklahoma State throws the ball next season. Obviously, with Casey Dunn being the offense coordinator, you assume, you know, as a wide receiver coach, he's going to want to get it to his guys. But it, it – uh, It'll be interesting to see where they go from there. Uh, another position of need that Oklahoma State is going to fill likely with either Juco or a transfer of some kind is a cornerback. You get Rodarius Williams back, which is extremely important uh, just because that room is extremely young oh, outside huge. of him. Uh, I don't think people are, I don't think uh, it has been talked about enough how huge it is to have a fifth year senior in a room with a bunch of redshirt freshmen and true freshmen. That's going to be massive. Obviously, we think Thomas Harper right now is going to be a guy that's going to start on the other side of him. But having experienced depth over there uh, on the other side of Darius Williams is going to be really important. Uh, I think we saw that a couple of years ago when uh, you, know, you had Ashton Lampkin, you had uh, a young A.J. Green, Rodarius Williams, but then you also had Lindsey Pipkins uh, out of UL Monroe, came in as a grad transfer, and he was 
a huge, not his stats may not have shown as a huge contributor on that team, but just providing that depth and experience is really important at the cornerback position, especially in the Big 12. Are there any guys that you've seen or thought of that uh, have an opportunity to come into Oklahoma State and uh, provide that kind of role? So yeah, I've been beating this drum for a while. If you've listened to this pod, the the biggest hole on this team, the biggest weakness is corner. Um, I like Rodarius Williams a lot. You're just asking him to to be the number one guy when he's been the number two for a while. I like Thomas Harper in a lot. I think he starts no matter who you bring in. Um, but behind them, you're going to have a redshirt freshman and three true freshmen. It's a spot where you absolutely need a grad transfer, and they've done this again, and it's really panned out for OSU a lot. Um, I mean, they had, they've had Kima Sivere in the last two years after bringing him in from, from Texas A&M, and that, he provided some valuable depth there. Um, I have – this will go up on Thursday, so Thursday morning my, my article looking at some transfer targets at corner has gone up. Here's what's tricky with this. this um, and there's only four in there for a reason. When you're looking for a in a situation like this, you're you're being very particular. You're not looking for guys who are going to sit a year. Uh, you're not looking for guys that had zero production and couldn't make it onto the field or didn't act or just played special teams at previous stops. Um, you need someone who is, even if it's just for one year, and. And, and really, that's kind of, that's kind of what you want. Um, has proven production, whether that's a group of five or power five, doesn't matter. Has proven production to be able to come and play. That's what you're looking for. Um, and I I combed through the transfer portal list, um, top to bottom, pretty much, pretty much. And I don't care if they were a four star out of high school or a two star. I I have a very particular kind of guy. For. I'm not going to go down the whole list. Um, number one on my list is Christian Holmes out of Missouri. Um, former three-star prospect from the class of 2016. Um, he was expected to start the 2020 to start for the Tigers, and he's he's leaving. Uh, last season, 29 tackles, four passes defended. It was a slight dip from his 2018 campaign. Um, this guy's been a backup for a few years in the SEC, playing for Missouri, who's had a good defense. This, to me, is a perfect fit. Because again, I think no matter unless you get someone <laughs> just decides to show up, um, you, you're looking for a backup, and I think you start Thomas Harper. I really liked what Harper has done; it did last year, and I think he'll continue to, to progress. Um, I like Christian Holmes. I think this is a good spot. Um, there have some reports that he might be in town, so he's one to keep an eye on. Um, the other one I really like, and this is where you look for. If you want to find a guy who maybe didn't have a production in 2019, it's because he had an injury. It's Nick McLeod out of North Carolina State. Um, former three-power prospect. Um, 2018 was his career there. 51 tackles, eight pass defending, nabs interceptions, uh, started 11 games. Uh, he missed most, most of last season with an injury. Um, he was voted as a team captain before the 2019 year. So that tells me I've got a guy who continued to progress, got – he was a leader in the locker room. He's a guy that his teammates liked. That sounds perfect. Um, yeah. And uh, that to me, those are the two guys. You can check the article. Article. There's two other guys in there, but the two I my my primary targets are McLeod from North Carolina State and Holmes from Missouri. Those those are the first two calls I'm making. I'm reaching out to gauge either one's interest, and I'm trying to get both to town. If um, 
because I think both would be excellent fits at Oklahoma State for a season. Yeah, I think I, I absolutely, absolutely do. Yeah, I think Holmes is probably that that option seems really, really good. Um, obviously he has enough production and enough, you know, li- at least enough of a sample size that you know what you're getting from a guy like that. I think the cachet of him playing in the SEC is important, whether you want to take that, uh, you know, for what you will. But I think that's a guy you can bring in and be that third down and eight. You need to stop. Thomas Harper comes off. Christian Holmes comes in. And you have two experienced corners in there in a passing down when you need to stop. Uh, I think that's really what Oklahoma State needs. I, I think Thomas Harper is going to start. I think he's going to have a good year. I'm really high on him. I have a feeling that Oklahoma State, you know, the guys at Oklahoma State are as well. Um, and I, you are, you are too. And we've talked about him glowingly on this podcast for a while, especially when he signed last year. Uh, so I think that there are, there are about enough options out there that are going to come in play right away. And I know Oklahoma State is going to make the right fit. They've, they've been able to do that in the past. Uh, I think Tyler, Tyler Patman, Kima Severin, Lindsey Pipkins, uh, they've been able to find guys that, uh, you know, have either have, that have experience playing, uh, at the division one level, uh, both, you know, starting and, you know, as backups that, they can come in and they're going to play right away and they're going to be a huge part of what this team is going to do because uh, the Oklahoma State really needs that last year. I think there's a lot riding on next season. I think there are high expectations. I don't have high expectations because I'm too cynical for that, but I think that there is, there is enough that to be excited about that this team can really be special, and I think they're just one experienced corner away from really shoring up what is going to be a very good defense next season. Yeah, I have high expectations for the defense. Um, we've said all along, ever since they hired hired Nulls, it was going to be year three, if this was going to work or not. And it feels like they've really kind of been building toward this year, if you look at everything they have and the way the roster's set up. Um, and looking at the roster, like here's here's my here's where I get stuck. Transfer wide receiver makes a ton of sense. Transfer corner is, I think, an absolute must. You bringing in a JUCO linebacker that helps – Maybe helps this year, and if you don't need them, great them. They're going to use that last scholarship. But, but to be honest at the moment, I don't know where. Uh, I, I, I've, I've gone over the roster a couple of times. Could they maybe Juco linebacker? Sure, if you wanted to bring one more guy in. Um, safety is set. Linebacker is good this year. Defensive line looks real good. Offensive line is great. Cowboy back. I mean, they could bring one in, but I don't know that you need to right now. Uh, wide receiver, talk about it, quarterback. The spot on the roster where they need something is at running back. And obviously it's not for this year. Um, they've got Chuba back. That's the biggest recruiting thing they could do. Absolutely. LD Brown is back for his for a final season. Um, Desmond Jackson, we didn't get to see him. My expectation is because he was banged up earlier in the season, they just went ahead and made sure that he had he redshirted because I believe he's had two years left because he redshirted. My expectation is you're gonna see Desmond Jackson next this year. 2021, you're gonna have Desmond Jackson and um yeah. Um, Zach Middleton, who is uh, who's listed as a safety at 24-7, everything's been saying safety. He, I think he's actually going to end up being running back at Oklahoma State. Um, he played running back in high school, so there's a pretty good chance he is. As silly as it sounds, losing Jamil Jeter to the uh, transfer portal wasn't the best thing for OSU because you're in a spot where you re- really need to bring someone in. And I don't mean a JUCO with two years. They need to bring in somebody. 
And if you look at the 2020 recruiting class and what's left at running back, I, I don't know where they turn. I don't uh, unless they can flip a guy who hasn't signed or somehow find some leftover stud. I think they're in a really bad spot at running back heading into not this season, next season. Um, uh, there's here's here's what I understand and what I think. Their strategy this year was they thought they'd get Chuba Hubbard back. So instead of just trying so hard to land a running back, they were very picky about who they were going after. It's why they really didn't target a lot of the guys in state. They wanted to land a big a big guy. Um, and that's what they went after. They went after a four or a five, somebody they really thought that they could come in. And and even if they had to sit or or immediately start it or played, like they would have a guy. Chuba was awesome. There was fear he'd go to the NFL. They suddenly felt like, oh my gosh, we have to bring someone into this class. And it was a little bit too little too late. They're back in the situation they were where Chuba's back next year, and that's great. But from a, from looking down the line, if they can't find something at running back this year, and I think you need a freshman, I think you need someone out of high school, someone who's got four years left, the 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 pressure to land multiple running backs in 2021, guys that can be at least one who's an immediate impact guy, is going to get ratcheted up to max volume. Yeah. Um, I and think, I have some concerns about whether or not they can do that. Yeah, I think 2021 is going to be that, – that requires they have to get a running back of some sort, even if it's just a body. Like you have to have somebody in that room that you can develop. Uh, like I said, Desmond Jackson, you feel good at least. I'm curious what he does this year. But if he has a solid year as a, you know, with the third guy or whatever, at least feel good enough that you – I don't know if he's necessarily a feature, but you at least have somebody with some kind of production. I don't know what to believe about DeAndre Glass. We saw him for three or four carries this season in the McNeese game, and then we never heard from him again. So I think there's a lot riding on what he we see from him this season to even know if he's a feature back or not. Um, that, that one may end up being a flop. I don't know yet because we just don't have a sample size enough to see what he can do. But you have to. Have, but if you don't like what you see from him in 2020, then you have to have somebody that you can splash to put in the backfield at Oklahoma State and. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, there, there's a lot riding on what we see in the 2021 cycle uh, as to where the the state of Oakland, the running backs are in uh, in Stillwater. Yeah, 20. It, all I'm going to say is this: there's a certain amount of evidence that's been building up over the last few years that they are having trouble recruiting running backs. I'm. I'm that's all I really want to say. Um, because that's just how I tend to be. But something has to change because there's enough evidence that they're struggling. They can't struggle at that position. They shouldn't struggle at that position. Um, if you can't take what Chuba did last year and what you expect Chuba to do in 2020 and turn that into some running backs for 2021, we're going to have a far more blunt conversation than I want to have right now. I, I and, completely agree with you there. Um, there's enough evidence to have it at this point, but I'm not going to. So I will leave it at if they can't turn Chuba into some recruiting, we got a problem. Yep. So, so 
yeah, it may not be this class, but definitely 2021. We're going to need to take a look at what they're doing, and if we we see more of the same, where they're they're either getting a running back that's you know low rated, or we don't know much about him, or they don't get one at all, then we really need to look in the mirror and see what we have uh, in that room and see what what changes need to be made because that's a that's a uh, that's a, a class and that's a position that you can't miss on. Very like you, you may not get a great one out of one class, but you have to hit at least once every other year to get somebody in that room that you can give the ball to to go win you games. Yeah, I mean they've offered seven running backs so far. Um, for twenty twenty one, that number is going to need to go for twenty twenty one. That number is going to need to go up, but yeah. they're going to have to land some of them. Um, and I think that number will go up as they find more more prospects and they they meet more kids and they figure out who's yay and who's nay. Um, and I, 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 I think they know that they have to land a couple of guys. I mean, you have to have a couple guys. Yeah. You really do. You you need – what is the class? This is going to sound terrible. I can't remember. Um, if you would like to uh, – dance around for a moment while I go back and find the class that I'm thinking of. I think it was 2016. Don't quote me on that. Uh, yeah. 2016. When they landed LD Brown, they landed justice Hill. That was a good class. Yeah. Obviously. Um, that's the kind of class that they need. This is a position group that used to be stocked. Okay. And it's hard to complain too much because you have a guy like Chuba Hubbard, but it's a concern. It's a, it's a real concern to me that's got to be addressed at some point. Absolutely. And I'm sure we're going to talk about this a little more in the future. Philip, do you have any final thoughts on this one? Um, baseball season is almost here and I, I, I know this isn't meant as a shot at basketball, but so is softball and I'm excited for both. Yeah. It's going to be a really exciting time. Obviously with the new stadium opening up for baseball, there's, you know, there's a lot of excitement surrounding that, but this team I think is going to be really good and I think a lot better than people give them credit for. It's going to be, I'm, we're going to talk about that probably more next week. I'm going to see if I can get Trey Cobb on here and he can probably give us a little better picture of uh, what we're going to see from Oklahoma State baseball in 2020. And we'll need to find a softball guest as well, because I do want to give them some love because they're ranked in the top 15 in preseason polls. Like they're, they're going to be really fun to watch again this season. Oh yeah, no, I've absolutely. It's it's it stinks because of the way the schedule works. Like you get football, and then you get wrestling and men's basketball and and golf. And right now, golf is down. Men's wrestling is having an off year because they've got so many guys who are like redshirting for various reasons. And men's basketball is down. And the women's team is good. Dutch is not. I'm not trying to dog them, but they. I think they've lost four in a row now. So it's kind of hard to really like. Yay. Um, this is kind of a rough sports period for OSU, but softball's on the way, baseball's on the way, and those are two teams that, with high expectations, that should have really good seasons. And like, if you just don't like baseball and softball, that's fine. Like I don't watch pro baseball, I don't watch a ton of softball, I don't, I watch OSU softball. But if you just don't care about those sports, that's fine. But if you're looking for, if you just need some OSU positive OSU sports in your life, it's common. It's on the way. It'll be here sooner than you know. 
Yeah. So my, my final thought is going back to wrestling, uh, but there was an article that came out uh, yesterday. I believe Brandon wrote it, and there were some other sources that told us uh, linebackers or linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez and defensive end Brock Martin have joined the Oklahoma State wrestling team. They were both state champions in high school in Oklahoma. They believe Malcolm won two and Brock Martin won three, so they're you know well acclaimed in in a state that where wrestling is a very very big deal. Uh, I think there is a legitimate chance that we at least see Brock Martin wrestle for Oklahoma State towards the end of the season, and that's going to be pretty fun to watch. I'm pretty excited for that. That would be wild. That yeah. would be wild. Yeah, uh, and it's it's kind of cool. So my wife and I actually have season tickets for wrestling, and we've gone to pretty much everyone uh, while we were in college, and then now that we've graduated, we you know we have season tickets and we go. And Malcolm Rodriguez and Brock Martin go together to every duel. And they sit right down there and they're cheering just like all the other fans. It's it's pretty cool to see. And now they're actually on the team in the wrestling room with John Smith. And there's a legitimate chance that we see Brock Martin wrestle, I believe, at heavyweight here in the next couple of weeks. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah. It'll, so nothing else. That's, that's a fun storyline to follow. And it'll be interesting to see how they actually produce on the mat. Uh, heavyweight has been a a major uh, struggling, you know, a, a bad a bad weight class for Oklahoma State this season, just because Austin Harris is undersized and uh, Cornelius Putnam is just he's you know still learning. He's a, I believe he's a redshirt freshman, so he's still kind of learning, you know, how to wrestle at that level. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see, uh, but I'm I'm excited to see um, actually if they actually get on the mat. If uh, either one of them do, it'll be kind of fun to watch. Yeah, no, that'll be that'll be fun. Like that'll be fun. All right, Philip. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Follow me personally at OKTXAR Poke. Uh, you can follow my show, the Ten Twelve Podcast, T E and the number twelve, the word podcast on Twitter, and it's available anywhere that you'd like to get your podcast from. Follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF, and we'll be back next week, and we'll hopefully be talking about some positive news with Oklahoma State basketball. Uh, obviously, with National Signing Day uh, once again for football, we'll talk about how Oklahoma State rounds out the class. We'll it's get some baseball. Call it the late signing. It's the late sign. It's not late national. Sign. National Signing Day is in. It's the late signing oh, okay. period. Like, let's uh, let's be honest here. That's fair. Okay, so yeah, the late signing period will wrap up next week. So we'll have we'll see how Oklahoma State rounds out their twenty five man class, and then we'll hopefully talk a little baseball and softball. And you know, this will be a packed episode. There's a lot to talk about right now, and we'll talk to y'all then.